Welcome to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives Podcast, where our goal is to engage and inform our audience from investors to asset managers and portfolio managers to sustainability leaders and those involved in ESG and sustainable finance. This is Kisa Shreen. Today, we're going to talk about a very important dimension of the diversity, equity, and inclusion space, and that is supply chain diversity and sustainable purchasing. We know that businesses and the vendors who serve those businesses are interconnected. Now, this was further proven by the pandemic and the need to make quick, effective, and efficient supply chain changes. It's clear that it's not enough to only look at a company's internal organization to assess how well it incorporates diversity, equity, and inclusion, or DEI principles. There is accountability around the supply chain as well. To discuss this important topic here with us is Tara Spann, Chief People and Strategy Officer for Mentor, the National Mentoring Partnership. Thank you, Kisa. Thank you for inviting me to this very important topic. So, Tara, let's make the business case for supply chain diversity. First of all, could you explain to us what is supply chain diversity and why is it important to the sustainability of financial institutions? Essentially, supply chain diversity is the process by which an organization provides diverse owned businesses an opportunity to participate in the procurement process. Just to take a step back, diverse owned businesses are defined as those that are 51% owned and managed by historically underrepresented persons such as Black or African-American, Native American or American Indian, Hispanic or Latino American, or Asian American. Also women, veterans, persons that are differently abled, and persons who identify as LGBTQ. Local and small businesses, although not considered diverse on their own, are also a factor of inclusion when we consider supply chain or supplier diversity. So, when you ask why is supply chain diversity important, including diverse suppliers in the purchase of goods and services, just one step, I'd say, toward equitable business practices and fueling the economy. It is well known that the US economic well being relies on small and diverse businesses. We've seen this time and time again. So, financial institutions like facts and figures. Let's talk facts and figures. Stay with me here, Kisa. <laughs> The U.S. Business Administration reports that small businesses are the lifeblood of the U.S. economy, creating two-thirds of net new jobs and drive U.S. innovation and competitiveness. Small businesses also account for 44% of U.S. economic activity and deliver 43.5% of the US, G U.S. GDP. To take the business case even further, the National Minority Supplier Development Council says minority-owned enterprises generate 400 billion dollars in economic output, leading to the creation of preservation of 2.2 million jobs and 49 billion in annual tax revenue for local, state, and federal government. Here's Okay, so I might just have you repeat that again. 400 billion of economic output? 400 wow. billion dollars in economic output, yes. And again, as we look at today and what we're seeing today, it's the preservation and creation of 2.2 million jobs. So that's extremely important. Um, yet another interesting fact, right? The Green Lining Institute wrote a research paper in 2014 that talks about the banking industry and supplier diversity, which says this, banks are a key engine of our economy. It matters where they spend money. The top 12 banks in California hold nearly 
of the state's deposits and 33% of deposits nationwide. That is pretty significant. In 2012, the participating banks in the report spent over $51.05 billion on goods and services. People of color are already the majority in California and several other states now. And it will be the nation's new majority, if you will, in 2043, or by 2043, if not sooner. It is imperative that powerful institutions like banks do business with, with and support the growth of minority business enterprises. And Kisa, in, in case that's not convincing enough, according to the Hackett Group, for every $1 million that supplier diversity programs spend in procurement operation costs, they add $3.6 million to the bottom line. That's more than three and a half times the value. I think that's a return on investment that shareholders can really appreciate. So, and, and the great point, now that we're talking about the return on investment for shareholders, now there's a huge focus on ESG as it relates to investing and as it relates to what shareholders are looking for. How does supplier diversity fit into the ESG framework? Yeah, there are a number of social factors that can affect the company's financial performance. Supplier, supplier diversity fits firmly within the S of ESG. The S or the social element elevates a company's business relationships and how that company work with suppliers. Generally, the social component of ESG asks questions like, do companies create policies stating that they will only partner with and do business with other companies that hold the same values? In the same context, another question is, does a company help grow small, local, and diverse businesses and encourage employees to volunteer in their communities? While these criteria or questions in itself all seem external facing, the policies, systems, and practices within an organization directly affect the level of social impact that companies make externally. So in other words, if an organization's supply chain is strong, inclusive, and free of disruption, if the turnover rate of employees and suppliers is low, and the health and safety performance of an organization is exceptional, then the healthier the culture, the more sustainable the business operations, and the greater impact that that organization can have on its customers, um, their customer population, their customer base, and communities. The social impact of a company corresponds directly with economic impact. And one way to create greater economic impact is through supplier diversity. Simply, the more diverse suppliers in the supply chain, the more those businesses hire from the communities, the more taxpaying citizens, in some cases, the lower the crime rate in those communities, and the more that small or diverse business contributes to a more just society. As it relates to the organization, the supply chain of that said organization creates more competition, innovation, agility, less disruption, and increased performance. One other note that I'd make is that supplier diversity can also fit in the E of ESG, because when a company purchases goods and services from a small and local business, they reduce their carbon footprint. Now, we've talked about the benefits, and they are clearly tremendous, from the social factors to even the economic piece around reducing the carbon footprint. Could we talk a bit about some of the perceived challenges around supplier diversity? And quite frankly, why are we seeing why aren't we seeing more adoption of it? And what do you find to be the most challenging aspect? That's a great question, um, Kisa. So there are common perceived challenges or misconceptions, and there are real challenges. The common misconceptions are that diverse suppliers are too small to compete and lack the resources necessary to support large contracts. 
the real challenges are that small and diverse owned businesses don't have equitable access to capital, and they are generally not afforded the same access to participate in RFXs or simply provide goods or services to large organizations. Another real challenge, another real challenge I'd state is that if the C-suite and leadership are not bought in and driving commitment of supplier diversity throughout the organization, and if supplier diversity is not included on the corporate scorecard as a measured goal alongside other business metrics, then supplier diversity will remain a challenge and in many cases non-existent. And this is a missed opportunity for institutions. So if I'm completely honest, then I will note that another real challenge or risk to the supply chain when using a diverse owned business is the risk of the diverse owned business being acquired by a larger entity. So let's say an institution has invested in the growth of that diverse owned business then they could lose millions of dollars in diversity spend fairly quickly if that diverse owned business is acquired by a larger non-diverse entity. So supplier risk and supplier sustainability measures should also um, be included in planning. And I think sometimes many people suspect that is the end goal. So if you have a small business that you want to be acquired, and that might necessarily be the case, it may not be the case, is it the situation for many small businesses and especially for diverse small businesses? That's that's just it. I mean, you know, we all want to create economic wealth. Um, I wouldn't say that's the end goal for an organization um, that or for a small business or a diverse small business. You know, they they like and want to make sure they're creating jobs and, and economic opportunities for their community. And that brings me to the question about how these businesses can compete. So if we have a small diverse supplier, how can they really compete with some of those larger institutions that are part of the supply chain? The short answer, the short answer is they can absolutely compete. Oftentimes they even outperform large businesses. Listen, um, large institutions have a socially responsible obligation. They have an obligation to number one, strongly encourage or require that their large or prime suppliers do business with diverse suppliers. This is referred to as tier two. And number two, encourage their large or prime suppliers to partner with diverse owned businesses in a strategic partnership to deliver tier one goods and or services to their organization. I've often referred to or heard this kind of relationship referred to as co-opetition or competitive Nonetheless, as a matter of conscious and intentional engagement, large institutions have to think differently and creatively about how they will do business with small and diverse owned businesses. This is how we work together to build wealth in our communities, level the playing field, and fuel our economy. Great conversation. And just to highlight a few of the key points here, small businesses generate about 44% of U.S. economic activity. That means they're generating and preserving over 2.2 million jobs. Really can't overlook those tremendous numbers. With all the facts that you gave us today, one of the things that is certainly true is that social factors can impact a company's financial performance. And it boils down to the fact that a healthy culture is equal to a healthy business because social impact clearly, directly correlates with the economic impact of these businesses. Thank you so much for joining us, Tara. We invite you to subscribe to the Refinitive Sustainability Perspectives podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your content. What did you think about the podcast? Leave us a review on iTunes or follow us on LinkedIn and Twitter for updates on our show. You can even check us out on YouTube now. Thank you for joining. See you next time.